Aloha, I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak. Welcome to The Body Show. Each week we talk about health and fitness, but none of what we discuss replaces a visit to your own primary care provider. It's cold and flu season. The flu shot's available in many locations right now, soon to be available hopefully in my office in the next few days. But some of the pharmacies have it already. What else can you do to prevent getting sick this cold and flu season? Any tricks to stay healthy? Well, we'll find out. Dr. Monique Ewan is in the studio, and we're talking about how to avoid getting sick this year, and any year, really. We'll be taking your calls at 941-3689 on Oahu, toll-free from our neighbor islands at 877-941-3689. Dr. Ewan, welcome back to The Body Show. Thank you. We've talked before about a couple of different topics. Now, we've had you on, and our philosophies are very, very similar. You know, we both want to promote absolute good health for, for everyone, really. Now, we trained a little differently, and I want to go through that just, just quickly for people who may not understand what a naturopath does, because mm-hmm. that's, that's your training. You know, I went to college, medical school, residency, and came out here and love it here in the islands. And, and you went on to college and then naturopathic medical school mm-hmm. and then further training, What do you think is the big difference between what you do and what I do in our practices? Well, our training is very similar. So um, I went to college, the naturopathic medical school, which is four years. Um, The only difference is we don't do a residency or we're not required yet. Um, But I did do a small training with another naturopathic physician up in Canada and then I came back here and started my practice. So I might prescribe medications that right. you would go to like Long's or Walgreens or some pharmacy and pick up from in the back by the pharmacist. And some of the things we're going to talk about that you do not necessarily obtained the same way. No. Uh, a lot of our medicines that are more natural. So we will prescribe like vitamins, homeopathy, herbs. Uh, we also look at lifestyle. So our focus is really on um, treating, finding the causes and not necessarily treating the symptoms. And we're very focused on prevention. Well, and that's one of the things that I've really thought that conventional medicine, I guess I'll call what I do sort of conventional, mm-hmm. has always has always lost their element of a focus on. They're, we're getting better, I mean, I have to say. <laughs> but, you know, we will treat the heart attack after it happens. Mm-hmm. We will hopefully prevent it, but what else could we do? We will treat the bronchitis or the influenza or the sinusitis once you get it, but, boy, what else could you do? And I'll tell you, I just got off a plane ride last night, and I thought, boy, you know, here I am in this, this long cylindrical tube, and there's lots of germs floating around. What do people do to avoid getting sick? Because given the level of exposure that a lot of us have to illness, not everybody gets sick all the time. I got to say, my younger brother, like, never gets sick ever, and I'll get a sinus infection or something else all the time. And no matter how much I try and infect him, he doesn't get it. <laughs> so you always wonder, you know, how do some right. people just not get sick? So what do you think? What do you? What are some of the reasons why, you know, two people could have the same level of exposure, one of them's going to get sick, the other one isn't? What are some of those differences between those two folks? Well, I think it has a lot to do with their internal body, like their, how, I guess, how well they take care of themselves. So their lifestyle plays a big part of it. I can hear my brother chuckling right now in my head, <laughs> right. like, ha, ha, ha. All right. Because, you know, if you're very stressed person and you're doing a lot and you're not getting enough rest, not drinking enough water, you're not eating the right foods, then of course, um, you know, you will be more susceptible. 
So getting some rest. I mean, a lot of people say, oh, you know, I can do it. So what if I didn't sleep last night? My favorite TV show is on or I really wanted to stay up late and watch the news. If somebody had to choose between let me go ahead and and watch this extra program versus I'm going to go to bed early. Is it really that important to go to bed early and get rest? Yes, definitely, because sleep is when your body repairs itself. So if you're not getting good sleep and like say you keep waking up in the middle of the night or you're not getting that full rest, then, you know, your body is going to suffer for it. So, And one of the ways it suffers is you get sick. Right, because now you're more susceptible. You're just not at your strongest. And the water issue. You know, we both right. got, we have water in front of us right now. Do you, if people drink things like soda all the time or they're drinking mm-hmm. a lot of coffee mm-hmm. or caffeine, are they putting things in their body that are not necessarily healthy or helpful? Yes. And should they, if they say, okay, I'm going to drink my coffee, but I'm going to go ahead and drink my water. And for every bit of coffee, I'll have water. It doesn't really cancel it out, does it? No, it does not. Yeah. So most people think, well, I'm drinking something, but it's different. Water really helps the body flush out the toxins. So soda, for instance, has lots of sugar. And as we know, bacteria viruses love sugar. Oh, and any extra <laughs> sugar, and they're like, I'm going to multiply. Right, exactly. We're feeding them. So what we want to do is really decrease our sugars, especially if we're around a lot of people who are sick or if we know we're going to get a cold or we're you know, really stressed and we know that our system is weak. That's when you really want to watch your sugar intake. And get more rest. And get more rest, yes. Drink lots of water and get rest. Those are the first two basic things that you can do. Now, what about exercise? You know, if you think you're coming down with something and you usually go for a bike ride or you go for a run or you go to the gym, healthy, not so healthy? Well, I think it depends on where you are. So say you are starting to feel a little low, and this is where you really have to pay attention to your body and yourself. So say you know you've had some exposure and you're starting to feel a little tickle or your nose is starting to clog a little, but you're not full-blown sick yet. That's where sometimes a mild exercise can be helpful. So going for a little bike ride, but not too strenuous, or going for a walk, just so you can get your circulation moving, you actually might help your body push out the cold. So you want to exercise because you should regularly, but you just don't want to say, okay, today I'm going to do my, you know, marathon run. I don't feel well. (laughs) You know, they have done some studies, particularly speaking of marathon runners, people who do an extreme level of exercise Mm -hmm. for their body. Now, everyone has a different level of extreme, but for the next 24 to 48 hours, their immune system is actually lower Mm -hmm. if they've done some extreme level of activity. So be careful because if you're, if you're kind of on the edge, I usually tell people, Boy, if the infection is from the throat up, you're probably okay to do your activity. Mm-hmm. Just kind of cut it back a few notches. But if you've got an infection in your lungs, any type of infection, uh, you know, take a day off. Yeah, I think that's really good advice. Maybe definitely. sleep instead. Yeah, because sleep, again, you need the sleep in order to really fight the infection. And that's, you mentioned it earlier, that's when your body repairs itself. Yes. And I think sometimes we forget that. We say, oh, you know, I didn't sleep well last night, but, oh, that's okay. I'll just push through the day. But then your body's behind a day in its own self-repair. Right. 
Yes. I mean, probably the people that I see where their colds last longer than a week is because they've been pushing themselves too hard and they never really got the adequate rest in the beginning of the cold. So whenever I feel like I'm about to get something, you know, I take my little things that are good for me and then what I do is I rest. I make sure I go to bed like at 9 o'clock that night. So what we found out is the more rest you can get actually before midnight is really good repair work for your body. So, What's magical about midnight? Anything? Um... No, but I guess when you're getting the rest before midnight, they say it's actually double the healing time for your body. So so now that, I have an excuse to like <laughs> go to bed at like 7 p.m. That's it. I'm yeah. going to sleep. Well, you know, they say the best uh, sleep cycle is that of a farmer, nine at night and waking up at like five in the morning. Yeah, I don't want to be a farmer. <laughs> right. But like when we talk about it, when somebody feels like they're coming down with something, you know, the other element that everyone struggles with is should they go to work or not? Mm-hmm. And if they're not 100% better, but they don't want to use their PTO or take their vacation time or call in sick for more than two or three days, could they really just be in a weird way just kind of sabotaging themselves if they go back too soon and they're not completely better? Yes, they could because that's how relapses happen. And, you and then they spread their germs. Right, exactly. And then everybody around you gets sick and it gets passed around and then it comes back to you. <laughs> and then there's more work. You know, you wind up if three of your colleagues are out because you started it. Now yeah. you're trying to do your work and their work and everyone else's work. So it really can more pass stress. along in a cycle, mm-hmm. right? Stress like that. Okay. Mm-hmm. Well, we've got a caller on the line. We've got Mike from Manoa. Mike, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. Hi. Uh, thank you for taking my call. Uh, uh, two-part question. Uh the uh, the first one is that um, there might be uh, an explanation why conventional medicine um, uh, is not so focused on prevention as the naturopathic side, and uh, it really seems to be uh, sort of the elephant in the room, and that is the issue of uh, the revenue transfer. Uh, it's seemingly if uh, something is allowed to develop to where they're going to an allopathic physician, there's going to be a lot more money changing hands between the pharmaceuticals and then the office fees and the consultation. Second thing is that uh, the advice, uh, which is well taken, uh, when something is coming on, drink more water, that's for sure, uh, get rest. But I think one of the critical components of getting the rest is that, that ordinarily involves getting in bed and covering up with a lot of blankets and getting warm. And I think that that thermal factor uh, has a very important uh, part about keeping the bugs at bay. And just wanted to get your comments on that. Well, some great points, Mike. And, you know, you mentioned about the elephant in the room. And essentially what you're saying is is money, really. Is it is it yep. to the disadvantage of of conventional medicine, uh, meaning traditional, you go see your doctor, you schedule an appointment, they get paid when you see them, do other testing, etc. And, you know, good news is that some of the things that they're looking to to revolutionize the current way we deliver healthcare is to really provide more preventative care and also help to avoid having the repetitive come see me, come see me, come see me and have that be a revenue generator. So, you know, I'll tell you, and and I'm not often a big fan of insurance companies of any sort, but I'm just going to give a shout out. You know, Kaiser does this well. HMSA is starting to do this well in addition. And they're looking at trying to find ways to stop attaching revenue directly to like numbers of office visits and numbers of tests. So good news in that respect. 
expect that we are looking at that. And certainly I wouldn't think that it would be a huge driver, at least not for most folks, but I may be naive in that. So things are changing in that direction. And I think in a definite positive way, um, we're going to be focusing more on prevention. It's, it's better for the economy. It's better for everybody if people stay healthy and not necessarily utilize a lot of very expensive resources because we could have, should have, would have done it earlier. So good news in that direction. Yeah, we are moving, particularly Hawaii is one of those states that actually is in the forefront. You know, we're looking at making some huge changes within the care providers throughout the state um, and finding ways to really focus on that, that preventative aspect, but also limiting unnecessary visits if there are unnecessary visits to, you know, ERs, uh, etc. The healthiest statistics in the country as far as uh, uh, general health uh, indices? Well, we do. And I think luckily for that, the reason that we seem to be having those really high health statistic numbers is because we have such a multi-ethnic population. If you look at it in particular in the different ethnic groups, you will find that some groups actually fare better than others. So as we average overall, we may do better than some of the states in the mainland. However, we still have certain challenges that are unique to living here in the islands. So, you know, what we try and do is look on that from the entire population. But now they're actually starting to target certain groups and say, you know, it seems like you guys have a higher rate of diabetes. What can we do to focus our prevention on the people who need it the most? As opposed to telling people who have perfectly normal sugars how they can make them better, let's target the people who really don't. And let's focus our preventative efforts more selectively and more effectively. Effectively. So, you know, there are some good things coming, and I think healthcare in general takes up far too much of the GDP than it should. And really, we're going to move in a different direction as you an know, entire system. I have system to agree with soon. you, and and uh, it, it is true, and and it's indisputably true that that uh, a, a preventive um, uh, care uh, mode is going to benefit everyone. Then we have to remember that everyone is such a broad uh, term. And the uh, healthcare providers who are profiting from an allopathic model uh, are the ones who are benefiting. And as far as they're concerned, that's all the everyone that they need to worry about. Uh, that's mine. Well, and I think really what we need to do is look at things from the perspective of, do you want to get sick, Mike? No. Do I want to get sick? No. What can we do to make sure that everybody stays healthy and that the profit motive, because, you know, we are in a capitalist society, the profit motive is more geared towards keeping people healthy rather than continuing to treat those and making people feel as though they're always sick. So agree 100 percent. You know, I'm with you on that one, Mike. Now, the second part that you mentioned as far as getting warm and and getting under the covers. You know, uh, Dr. Ewan, you mentioned getting rest, absolutely, Mm -hmm. drinking water. What are your thoughts on get home, get in bed, and stay warm? Well, um, getting warm is important because when you do get sick, you naturally actually get a fever, right? And is that a good thing? And that's a good thing, according to us. Now, why? Because having a fever just shows your immune system is working. So you do want an effective fever, and we say, a fever of 102 is really good because that's when, you know, viruses and bacteria can't live in that temperature. So, so like our body creates this fever to mm-hmm. slow down the reproduction of the bacteria and exactly, viruses. Exactly. So you want to encourage it. But most of us have learned to suppress the fever. So Take a bunch of Tylenol exactly. and aspirin. Not such a good idea? No, I don't feel it's a good idea. My opinion, it's not a good idea. I feel it's effective to have a good fever as long as you monitor it. So you want to make sure you stay hydrated, not have the fever go too high, 
you know, so if you need to put the cold towels on your head, um, take a lukewarm bath, you know, things like that to kind of keep the temperature down. But if you have an effective fever, then your cold does not last as long. So when people say they, quote, broke the fever, what they might be referring to mm-hmm. is the fact that their body stopped mounting such a high temperature, maybe right. because it doesn't have to, yeah, exactly. not necessarily because their new best friend is, you know, aspirin and acetaminophen. Right. Or Advil or Aleve or right. Motrin or whatever what they I'm take. what I'm seeing now, too, is that when people do that and they stop the fever, then, you know, there goes your natural reaction, your natural immunity, trying to stop the bacteria or virus in your body. And then now it has more chances to multiply. So you're seeing colds, which typically should last three to four days, now last for a week or more. All right, Mike. So you're right there in Manoa because, you know, there you are, get in bed, get warm, and the thermal effect may actually slow the reproduction of the bacteria and viruses. So Mike had us a lot of good thoughts. So thanks for uh, thanks for calling us today and sharing your words of wisdom on what we need to do in medicine. Now, you mentioned, you know, don't take too much Tylenol. When you say don't let the fever go too high, mm-hmm. is that based on the individual. I mean, let's first say I'm talking about adults because I think pediatrics and children are a slightly different scenario Mm -hmm. and they often go a bit higher Mm -hmm. and that might scare me. I'm used to treating the adult population. But when we say don't let it go too high, what do we mean by that? I mean, I felt like a wimp the last time I got sick. I got a little fever of like 99.2, and I'm like, oh, I feel horrible. And I'm thinking, really? My patients come in with 101, and they look pretty good. So is it based on the person or the individual, or do we just base it on don't go up past 102? Any ideas? I think, you know, the 102 is what I learned in school, but it is definitely based on the individual because some people just cannot mount too high of a fever. And of course, this has a lot to do with their immunity and, you know, their history, which everyone is different. So does it matter where they started from? I have some folks who say, OK, so my usual temperature is 97.5. It's right. not 98.6. So when I go from 97 up towards 100, it's that's high a for big them. jump it's considered for me. High, right. OK, so it does matter where you start. Yes, from. yes. Yeah. So don't go too high. You don't have to suffer, but don't necessarily go right. popping the pills. Yeah, I I just think there's other things that you can do to help the immune system. So, you know, like herbs and homeopathy to help stimulate the immune system to fight the bugs rather than just suppressing a natural reaction. Because that's just what the aspirin or the Tylenol is doing. It's just chopping the fever. And then I think I'm better. Right. So then maybe, maybe I go, go exercise, yeah, right? Go back and to work. And then I go back to work and then I <laughs> spread my germs. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Monique Ewan. Today we are talking about how to stay healthy and what you can do during this cold and flu season to try and avoid getting sick. And if you do, what are some of the natural ways you can treat it? You can join our conversation at 941-3689. Toll free from the neighbor islands, 877 When we come back, we're going to talk some more about if you do start to get sick, what are some of the first things you can do and reach for to try and prevent that from getting worse? We'll be right back after this quick break. Stay with us. Someone was in the house. She didn't want to believe it, but there was no other explanation. Her whole body felt cold and she could feel her heart stuttering in her chest. A babysitter in peril. This week on Selected Shorts from PRI, Public Radio International. Tuesday at 5 p.m. following Travel with Rick Steves. 
Many local businesses and organizations support Hawaii Public Radio. Through corporate sponsorships, they provide us with 25% of our operating budget. It's a way to reach HPR's audience with your message and at the same time support the station. And we'd love to provide you with on-air recognition for your support. To learn more, go to the HPR website, hawaiipublicradio.org, and click on Support. The HPR website. It's just a click away. Aloha and welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Monique Ewan, and we are talking about how you can avoid getting the cold or the flu this season and what are some of the simple tricks of the trade so that you can stay healthy even though when everybody else around you seems to be getting sick. You can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll free from the neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. Before the break, we were talking with Mike from Manoa, and he was talking about, you know, should you let your body mount a fever? And the general consensus is, as long as it doesn't go too high, there's no reason to really stop that. It might be a sign that your immune system is actually doing a good job and working, which is what we want everybody to do. Now, what about some of those other supplements that we hear about, things like echinacea, things like high-dose vitamin C? A couple of years ago, Coldies came out. It had that extra high amount of zinc, and I remember trying Mm -hmm. that and going, boy, I feel like I have a metallic taste in my mouth. (laughs) And then Airborne. These are some of the products Mm -hmm. a lot of people might have heard about when you get sick. If you happen to start these things early, you might be able to shorten the duration of your illness. Do these things have any science behind them? Do they work? Um, Definitely echinacea. Vitamin C has lots of science behind them. Uh, I think Airborne does as well. I mean, it's a combination of echinacea. I don't know all the ingredients in there. Okay, it's a fizz tablet. And I just want to let people know, (laughs) do not put that in your mouth. Oh, And do not ask me why I know this. Because you should put it in water. Apparently, you dissolve it in water. Don't put it in your mouth and chew it because you will create a nice little explosion. It is not meant to be chewed like Pop Rocks. (laughs) Okay, so Airborne has a whole bunch of different ingredients, echinacea Mm -hmm. being one of them, high doses of vitamins and stuff. Does it work? Some folks say they love it. Yeah, some people really, it works really great. I think it's a matter of when you take it. So if you take it right in the beginning when you know, and this again, you have to really know your body and know when you start to feel low, you're starting to have some of the symptoms, maybe it's a little scratchy throat, a little sniffle here and there, maybe heavy-headed feeling, that's when you should take it. Those things are most effective when you take them in the beginning. So if you've already got the full-blown infection and you say, that never works for me, maybe it's because you took it too late? It could be. So that's what they really, with echinacea, they find that it's most effective in the beginning. And it's not something that you take all the time. So So I wouldn't want to just go get echinacea, take it every day and say, infect me because you can't. So that's not going to work. No, because it's supposedly not as effective when you do that. So, yes, it's more effective when you just take it when you need it. And also when you take it right at the beginning of the cold, it does help maybe shorten the cold if you take it. I'm not sure about airborne, but uh, definitely echinacea could possibly help. But again, it's better in the beginning. So don't wait too late. No. Don't high dose vitamin C myself silly every day. But if I think I'm coming down with something, increasing vitamin C might be a good idea. Yes. Well, vitamin C has been used for so many other things. Um, So that, I mean, but for a cold, yes, vitamin C can be taken regularly. I say, you know, well, there's a lot of uh, different theories on how much you can take. But 
one gram to four grams every day is okay. And when you are sick, you can go up to eight to ten grams, or even some people even say twenty grams. Well, and the good news about vitamin C, vitamin C true, is that yes. if you take too much, you yeah. know, it does come out. It comes out yes. in your pee. <laughs> so, you know, if you wind up overdosing, which you can't really do with vitamin C very easily, um, it, it does come out. It doesn't get absorbed in the body to the sense that, you know, there are a couple of vitamins. I remember them from school, A, D, E, and K. Yes. Those are the ones that stay in the body. They're what they call fat-soluble. Mm -hmm. So they will linger in your system as opposed to vitamin B or vitamin C that will actually be metabolized and come out uh, yes. either in urine or, or stool or some other way so that you don't have to worry about, oh, no, I took too much. What do I right. do? Yeah. So there is a That's benefit. That's a nice part. So I usually tell people you can go take vitamin C up to bowel tolerance because it'll give people, if you took too much, it'll give you diarrhea. Bowel tolerance. I like that. Take it up to <laughs> yes. bowel tolerance. All right. We've got a caller on the line. We have Arby from Honolulu. Arby, welcome to The Body Show. Hi. I'd love to tell you the thing that I've found over 30 years of plant study that is the best to help prevent colds and flus. Could you first identify the name and position of your of your guest? Oh, absolutely, Dr. Monique Ewan. Uh, she is a naturopathic physician who has been practicing. How long now, Monique? You've been here. Oh, let's see. There, this is 2013. Um, Twelve years. Twelve oh, years. That's, great. that's a little quick. <laughs> a quick little math test. Yeah. <laughs> I know. All right, Arby. Probably you... familiar with Uncaria tomentosa. I'm sorry. Say that one more time. Unteria tomentosa. Unteria. Well, I think you stumped us, Arby, but tomentosa. we did get the math question right. So tell us a little bit about what you found about your Uncaria tomatosa that has helped you with uh, with your plant studies and helped you prevent getting sick. Yeah, I want to hear. It is the most important thing I've ever found. It's a vine, and basically uh, they harvest the bark so the vine is not damaged. It's also known as cat's claw, oh, okay. or by its Spanish name, uña de gato. Yes, I've heard of that. All right, so cat's claw there, got us a smile. absolutely nothing that is better than that. You can't take it long-term because it loses its effect, but it is the best antibacterial, antimicrobial, antifungal, and uh, virus agent that I've ever experienced. Now, Monique, you said when we said cat's claw... Or maybe the Spanish version, which I'm going to have to say, Arby, uh, no habla <laughs> espanol. Um, but okay, so. I like, well, de gato. I know gato is cat, so I'm going to give you that. Um, but okay, so, so Monique, you were shaking your head. Yes, you heard cat's claw, and you went, oh, yeah, I've heard of that. Yes. So, so tell me more about it. Well, um, he probably actually knows more than I do, because it's not one of the ones that I use um, all the time. I have other ones that I love myself. Um, but cat's claw, I've heard, you know, it's also a great anti-inflammatory too, right? All right, Arby, we got a question for you. All kinds of things, but I'm not a doctor. I'll leave it to the doctor, but I've studied <laughs> many things over many years, and it is by far the most powerful, and you can find it in any good health book store. I'll take right. the rest off on the radio. Thank you. All right. Well, Arby, thanks so much for that because, you know, there are some things out there that even I can learn from. And uh, there's always different things that people find they love mm -hmm. that really helps them to stay well. So, Monique, you said, you know, Arby loves 
cat's claw, and this really works for him, and it's one of the most effective anti-inflammatory, antibacterial, antifungal, antiviral that he's come in contact mm-hmm. with. Tell me about some of the ones that you love, because there okay. are some that, that you've mentioned to me earlier and said, boy, I really love, you know, monolaurin, and I yes. love some of these other ones, that maybe people who have heard of, you know, vitamin C and echinacea and airborne may not have heard of some of these other ones. So we know what Arby loves. What do you love? Well, my actual favorite thing to use is monolaurin. Okay. And that's actually from coconut. So Well, then it, I, I'm already interested. Like, it's <laughs> going to taste good. Okay. Well, I don't know if it tastes good, but it's actually made from uh, lauric acid in coconut. And you can actually find lauric acid in breast milk. So, Interesting, because yes. they always say that, you know, when children are breastfeeding, they have a natural, natural immunity, immunity that right. they get from the mother. And here you are telling me some of the science behind it. That's pretty cool. So tell me more about monolaurin. What is it and how do you get it? So monolaurin, um, there is a brand called Ecological Formulas that makes it. That's the one that I use. And I always carry it with me. So it's something, it's a natural antiviral. It's also antimicrobial. So it's good for the the flu virus. It's even good for herpes 1 and 2. Um, a lot of different cytomegaly virus and Epstein-Barr virus. So it's good for a lot, a lot of different type of viruses. Um, but it's also an antifungal as well. So you take this all the time or you take it only when yeah. you feel like something's coming on? Or how would you use something I, like this? I use it only when I feel like something's coming on. So I so like say I, you know, I'm starting to feel sick. I'll take two capsules right before bed. Make sure I go to bed early. Drink lots of water. The next day, I always feel really good. But say it still has gotten me quite bad. Then I will actually the normal dosage is one capsule three times a day, and that's of the 600 milligram capsule. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, but sometimes I'll take even more. <laughs> so you'll go a little higher to I get will. a greater effect. Yeah, I I do. They don't recommend it, but I have taken more, and there's not there's not any contraindications, and I haven't had anybody respond badly to it. Now, how long might somebody take this? Let's say you mention, okay, so I feel like something's coming on. I take it before bed. I go to bed early. I drink my water. I get my rest. Are you doing this for a couple of days? Are you doing this for a week or two? How often would you do this? Or just till you feel better and say, hey, I'm cured? Well, usually what I have found is most of the times the next day I feel better, especially if I caught it in time. But say it's still kind of lingering and maybe I didn't get the proper sleep or I do have high stress at that time, then what I'll do is I'll take it for the next couple of days. But at the lower dosage of one, maybe twice a day or one, three times a day. And then if for some reason I did get really sick and you can take it when you're really sick and I have people come in, you know, who are still have that lingering cold or they've done several rounds of antibiotics and they still have like this cough or something, I will prescribe it to them and have them maybe do it for a week until the cough is completely gone. So, you know, as opposed to if I were to prescribe some antibiotics for somebody, they have right. to finish it until it's completed, you would actually take the monolarin until you felt better. Right. But if you needed to take it longer, then you could. It wouldn't necessarily be harmful. No, there's no harm in doing that. All right. We are, we'll get back to some of the other ones that you love. Okay. But we've got Jack on the line from Kona. Jack, welcome to The Body Show. Well, thank you. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Thanks for calling yeah, us. I, okay. Well, yeah comments that I want to make is that is that I think the the problem is is that people think that that pathology or, or lack of ease is caused by 
uh, microorganisms to get in the body and that they're the cause. When in fact, from my background, they're present, but they're not causative. And that what really causes uh, symptoms is what we call toxemia, where the body is unable due to physiologically incorrect lifestyle and diet is unable to keep up with the normal processes of elimination at the cellular level. So your own metabolic waste builds up in your body past the toleration point and your second brain, your subconscious brain, has to make the decision to eliminate. And that's what a quote-unquote cold is or quote-unquote flu is or any of your skin eruptions, all this stuff, they're, they're not infections, they're outfections. It's right action. The body's trying to get rid of, of uh, metabolic waste <clears throat> that it's built up in the body past the point of, of uh, toleration, meaning, you know, it's danger level, as well as toxins in the body that have been ingested that the body can't use. Things the body can't use, it tries to get rid of. As an example... Salt okay, is just one example. So, like Jack, Jack you ahead. mentioned that you know when you're when you're not necessarily following a a good rest and diet and all those general basic healthy things that we want everybody to do. So that's really part of the underlying issue is you get somewhat out of balance yourself. Yeah, so it's not like something that you have to treat with echinacea or. And the other things you mentioned, it's these are body elimination processes that you have to allow them to run your run their course, and they will, and then they'll be over. Now, depends on where somebody is in that process. If you're taking really good care of yourself, which is uh, sufficient rest and sleep, is extremely important because that's when the body can uh, you know catch up on any any uh, processes that it hasn't been able to catch up on while you're active got to have sufficient rest and sleep, which most people don't. And a clean diet would be predominantly a plant-based diet, and predominantly uh, unprocessed foods, meaning foods that haven't been cooked or chemicalized or whatever, and properly combined so that you're not using your stomach like a composter. There are certain foods that just aren't compatible in digestive chemistry, and so you end up with problems there. And so if you follow all these things, then a quote-unquote old or quote-unquote, you know, flu, they're not necessary. In other words, your body doesn't have to undergo an extraordinary elimination process because it's in balance. There's no need for these extraordinary elimination processes in the first place. So, you know, in terms that you used earlier, if you feel a cold coming on, well, from my perspective, if a quote-unquote cold's coming on, that's a body elimination process, and what you need to do is go to bed. That's the solution. Go to bed. Allow the debris to come out of your body, sneezing, coughing, whatever it is. These are all elimination processes. Mm -hmm. They're outfections. Good point, Jack. I think we've talked the same language. You know, you mentioned that go to bed, get some rest, let your body do its best to repair itself. Uh, Dr. Ewan, you're mentioning, you kind of were were mentioning that toxemia, when you talk about not following your body's natural processes, Mm -hmm. that resonates with you. Definitely. I definitely agree with what he says. Uh, It's definitely your body uh, needs to be in a good state of health. And, of course, if you have too much toxins in your system, of course, your immune system doesn't work properly. 
So then, so what are some of the toxins that we're talking about? Jack mentioned salt. Are there some other things that we're ingesting? Are we talking like mercury, or are we just talking things in the environment? Things in the environment, also what you're taking internally, so how you eat. You know, elimination processes, like he was talking about, is very important. Um, You definitely need proper elimination. And I always talk about the five organs of elimination, which is the lungs, the liver, the kidneys, the digestive system, and the skin. So you know when one of these are not working well, when, say, for instance, you're getting skin rashes, then, you know, we know that the elimination organs are not working properly. So it's kind of like the whole idea of the cup being too full. So it's kind of like if you're full of toxins or full, your body's just not processing properly or eliminating properly, then, of course, your cup is too full and you'll get symptoms. And then, yes, you will be more predisposed to colds. And then, of course, the discharge is a natural reaction to show that something is out of balance. So really, what you're saying, what Jack's saying, what I'm saying, mm-hmm. we're all on the same page. Yes, definitely. There's Your body's giving you a message. Mm-hmm. Listen to the message. If you don't, you'll get another one. Right. You'll have another problem. And if you're listening carefully, then you'll be able to understand where your body's at and get back to the basics. You know, he mentioned, I love that. Don't use your stomach as a composter. I think that's a really good analogy, Jack. I hope you're still listening, but, but I like that one in particular. I'm probably going to use that. I'll, I'll attribute it to you, though. Um, but certainly, you know, be careful what you put in. Yes. Be careful what you eat. Be careful how much rest you get. When I talk to people who have lived graciously into their 80s and 90s and a couple of my a couple of my people beyond, they all say something very similar. They all say, you know, do everything in moderation. Don't eat too much of certain things. Don't drink too much. Don't smoke. Do a little exercise. Get enough rest every day. There's a common theme to what they're saying. Mm -hmm. And if you do those things, you will hopefully help to avoid some of the problems that a lot of people get. Now, maybe not everything. And there are certainly reasons that that people get sick and it's not their fault. Um, But at least get yourself as healthy as possible so you don't have to have those those things occur. Yeah, that's the ideal is really getting the basics down. It's your foundation. It's your lifestyle. So... And, you know, all the things that we are talking about, things that will help, like the monolaurin, the cat's claw. Now, spell the monolaurin for me because one of, we had a shy caller who said, I really like that. That sounds great. <laughs> I want to go get that. Monolaurin, where am I getting it and how do you spell okay. it? So it's spelled M-O-N-O-L-A-U-R-I-N, monolaurin. And you can find almost anything online now. So I think they have it on Amazon. And if you were going to a local store, would I go to oh, a GNC? Would I go to a Down to Earth, a Whole Foods? Where well, would I go? I have it, but I don't think they have it at the at the health food store. So you'd probably have to do a little research for yes, it. Yes. Find it online or find somebody or see right. you and, and you would be able to help somebody yes. get it. Yes. All right. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Monique Yuan. We are talking about how to keep people healthy, sort of prevent 
disease and what we can do to make sure that we stay as healthy as possible. Some basics we're talking about, get enough rest, make sure you drink enough water, but also we're going to talk about some other ways. Let's say you got influenza. What are some of the natural things you can do to try and treat it? We'll be right back after this quick break, but you can join us at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. We'll be right back. Stay with us. Climate change is a big deal for indigenous people around the world. They're the people that pay the price because they directly live off the land. A visit to Rwanda might surprise you with what people there can teach us. What I saw is that beauty is not optional, but a strategy for survival. And hear how Berlin keeps reinventing itself on this week's Travel with Rick Steves. Tuesday at 4 p.m. following Fresh Air. I love the mix of news and entertainment and fine music. It just feels a very important part of my life. And of course, now that I live on the big island, I feel like I have everything between the island of Hawaii and Hawaii Public Radio. Life couldn't be more perfect. Member supported Hawaii Public Radio. Radio with vision. Listen and see. Aloha. Welcome back to The Body Show. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak here in the studio with Dr. Monique Ewan, and we are talking about how you can stay healthy. It's cold and flu season. Nobody really wants to be sick, and there are some basics that you can do right now, even tonight. Go to bed a little earlier, and things you can do to help your body to make sure that you don't get sick this season, and if you do, what you can do to help treat it. You can join our conversation at 941-3689, toll-free neighbor islands, 877-941-3689. During the break, we had a caller, John from Waikiki. John, welcome to The Body Show. Um, hi. Thank you, doctors, for taking my call. Sure. What can we do for you? I hear you got a bit of an itchy scalp. So this is, yeah, it's a little off off subject from flu and cold, um, but hoping maybe you can help me out. So I've I've had an I've been scratching basically for the last several days, and I've got an itch from my head down to my feet, and now a rash is broken out on my legs. And I'm I've um, I've thrown away shampoos and conditioners to replace those, and and I've done the same with detergent. But my question is: Is there a natural remedy or one that you'd recommend for um, a rash or perhaps? I don't know if this is the early stages of, of an eczema thing. I don't know. But is there something that you'd recommend to you know, take orally or to put on topically? It's an interesting question, John, but i got to ask you something. Describe it for me. What's this rash look like? Uh, it's more, It's kind of like a welt. Okay. Are they you the know, size it, of a dime, a nickel, a quarter, or smaller? Um, oh, no. It's, it's, larger, it's larger than that. It's on... Um, you know, I just developed it today, actually, on my legs, so and uh, they're on they're on my thighs, and it's probably I mean it's 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 not symmetrical, you know, but it's you know in one general region, but it's maybe the size of like a dollar bill. Okay, so so bigger than uh, than coin size. All right, yeah. and are they getting bigger? As you talk with us, are they getting bigger, or during the day has it grown, or has it just kind of appeared at one size and stayed that size all day? I've just now noticed it, even though, I've, you know, it's been itchy. I mean, literally, I've been itchy for a couple days, and, you know, like I said, I switched out some things, but now is the first time I've noticed that, you know, it's, it's red, and it's not a typical rash. It's kind of raised like a wealth. 
Interesting. All right. Well, we have some ideas. You know, uh, Dr. Ewan, it sounds like poor poor John's getting this this reaction. And good that he thought change shampoos, change detergents, change some of these things. Um, what are your thoughts? Well, it, because it's all his whole body, it sounds like it's something internal, possibly. That's usually what I think. If you get a rash yeah. and it's just because you touch something on your hand, you're going to get it on your hand. If if you're starting to itch from your head down to your toes, maybe you ate something or ingested mm-hmm. something or there's something going on internal. So like foods that people foods. can eat could cause this. I mean, he tried the detergents and stuff. didn't really work. No. Yeah. I, I don't think it would work, especially if it's spreading like that. So it really wouldn't be something topical. Well, John, you might have eaten something funny. You might have uh, ingested something funny. And I guess at this point, I wouldn't necessarily put on something topical if it's happening everywhere because then you'd have to put it on everywhere, in which case topical really doesn't make sense at that point. Um, You know, over-the-counter antihistamines like Mm -hmm. Benadryl can do a lot of good. But it sounds like, John, you got to go get it checked out by your doc because if this is something that could be something you're ingesting unknowingly – then you might keep doing this, and you wouldn't want to have this for a long time. Mm-hmm. So I'd say try some Benadryl and maybe go pop in and see your doc and see what their thoughts are about it. But interesting question, and it gets back to something you said earlier, Dr. Ewan, which was, you know, we have those five organs that tell you about how things are going, and one of those was skin. Yes. And people don't realize how often what we eat can cause rashes and can right. cause a manifestation that's visible telling us something isn't right. Mm-hmm. You've had this experience with some people that you've seen as well? Oh, definitely. You see this a lot, especially with, you know, people who have actual skin disorders like eczema or psoriasis, uh, especially people with eczema, you know, like they can easily get a rash from something they eat, whether it's right away, immediate, or in the next couple of days. Now, we may not realize it, but a lot of our immune system comes from our gut. Mm-hmm. True? Yes, true. So when we eat certain things we might be allergic to and or sensitive to, we talk about allergies like, hey, if I'm around pollen or dander or dust, I get an allergy. But one of the things that can happen is if you eat something that your body doesn't tolerate, you can get either a stomach or intestine reaction mm-hmm. or skin rashes. Right. Yeah. I think you can get a lot of different reactions, headaches, um, and we don't think about it so no. much. You know? I mean, it's, I guess there's, it's hard to prove what exactly caused it. So that's the problem. You know, that's the funny thing about allergies. So, And you have to be a really good detective. That's another thing. Exactly. Is it's so hard when you think about the number of things you come in contact with every day to try and figure out what one thing might have set this off. Yes, yeah, so I tell people it's really hard to, you know, control your environment. So what I often have them do is do a diet diary. Write down everything you eat. Write down everything they eat and then log their symptoms in. And a lot of times you'll see, wow, I ate chocolate that day and that's why I had that headache. Oh, that would just kill me. (laughs) I don't want to get headaches every time I eat chocolate. That would just, I'd be depressed. (sighs) Well, let's talk about it. Let's say that I actually have been exposed to the flu. Let's say that I I maybe I got my flu shot and now I'm exposed to somebody who has the flu. I'm starting to develop these symptoms. What are some of the things that I could do that are all natural antivirals? Okay. So uh, first is, of course, I, I love the monolaurin, and that's a natural antiviral. That's a really great one. So I could start taking that. Right. And, and if I felt like I was getting better, I could stop it the next day. If I yes. wasn't yet getting better, take it for a few more days. Right. Okay. What I else would, could I do? I would add vitamin C. 
to okay. that because that's also a natural antiviral. Uh, you can also do vitamin A, maybe at high dosage, only for a little while. So high dosages meaning like, um, gosh, I've seen some people do up to 500,000 IUs, but, you know, like 50,000 IUs, maybe for a couple days. And that also will give you that extra boost in your immune system. Um, vitamin C, like I said, up to 10 grams or more, um, up to bowel tolerance for the, to help with the virus. And definitely on an ongoing basis, I would do probiotics. So tell me, everybody talks about probiotics. They're available in, you know, there's Activia, there's a yogurt with, with probiotics. Oh, yeah. Then there's other sorts of ways you can get it. I've gone to, uh, to a couple of stores and they sell like dried capsules of probiotics. Yes. Then there's refrigerated probiotics. I'm confused. I, I want to be pro <laughs> probiotics, but I'm confused. What do I do? Oh, boy. Well, so I'm very picky about probiotics, and I use a specific one that has been studied. Uh, it's from this company called Saroil. You probably can get it online. It's Now, um, if I want them, you got to spell the Saroil. Okay, it's spelled S-E-R-O-Y-A-L. Okay. And the product I like is um, there's one for maintenance called HMF Super Powder. So and it's a powder it's a by powder, definition. That okay. One. And there's also one called HMF Intensive, and that's the one. You, It's one capsule a day for that one, and it's usually taken with a meal. All probiotics should be taken with a meal. Why is that? Um, better digestion. So don't take them on an empty stomach if you can avoid it. I, I think there might be some probiotics, but from different companies, maybe that can be taken, you know, on an empty stomach. So... I uh, HMF intensive I give to people who've had a lot of antibiotic treatments or who have just finished a round of antibiotics and I have them do that for a month to help replace the good the good guys because they help your immunity. So why I'm I'm really partial to this is because I have had a number of people try different types of probiotics at the health food store, refrigerated and unrefrigerated. And there was one man that sticks out in my mind specifically that actually had MSRA. And he was given, you know, the antibiotics are very strong for that. So he had really bad runs for <laughs> like a week. He finally came to see me and he had tried a number of probiotics, refrigerated and unrefrigerated at the health food store. But he still was having the thing, still having diarrhea. So I told him, well, you know, please give mine a try. And I, he took just one dose of the HMF intensive and his diarrhea stopped. So one of the things that can happen when you take a lot of antibiotics, even if it's for a good reason, this right. guy had MRSA, there are other infections for which you need to use antibiotics. The anti in antibiotics can kill the bad bacteria, but can right. also kill the good, good bacteria. bacteria. Yes. And if you kill enough of the good bacteria that help our digestive system, then you don't digest well. And one of the things that can happen is you can get a lot of loose bowels, a lot of diarrhea. Yes. So this guy actually got better with the probiotics. Yes, definitely. Now, if you're on antibiotics, you're often told to take probiotics. Would you take them together? Would you anti and pro at the same time? Or no. should you separate those? You should separate them, Okay, because they kind of cancel one another exactly. out, right? yeah. Okay, so let's say that I'm taking a daily antibiotic twice a day. When am I taking my probiotics? Okay, so if you're taking, I would take it at least three or four hours away from your antibiotic. Before or after? Yes. 
Okay, so time it appropriately and then make sure that you're doing it, but not at the same time because that doesn't make sense. Yeah, no. Would you take probiotics every day? You mentioned that one of these is a maintenance and one of these is an intensive. So should everybody be doing probiotics regularly? I think they should, yeah, because it's it's a good – it's it really helps the microflora in your body. Like it's really good for your immune system. That's your first line of defense. So definitely it's good for building immunity. Okay, well probiotics it is. We've got a caller on the line. We've got Cora from the North Shore. Cora, welcome to the body show. Uh hello, how are you doing? Good. I'm learning all about probiotics and, and how I need these to, to make <laughs> sure I can still eat chocolate and not get headaches. So Cora, <laughs> what can I do for you? Well, you were talking about flu and what to take for flu and flu symptoms. Yep. And there's a, a product put out, uh, it's a homeopathic remedy, and uh, it's got a huge long name, but it's, we call it Oscil. Ocelonococcinum? Yes. Yes. That one. Oh, I'm, I'm so glad, Dr. Ewan, you said that. I'm like, We're about to get there. <laughs> okay. So, also, or the Ocelo, that one. Ocelonococcinum. That one. All right, Cora. <laughs> so, you've heard of this before? Do you use it? Oh, yes. I use it um, at the first sign of flu or any yeah. of my family members, they get a dose. Even if we're going to be traveling on an airplane, I take a preventative dose before I get on the plane. It's a really good idea. Pick up anyone virus. But I've seen this product work on a, uh, she was about 13, she was running 102 degree temperature about midnight, and she had already been sick all day with the flu, and I gave her mom one of these dosage. She took it the next morning at 7 or 8 o'clock in the morning, totally over it, gone completely, no sign, nothing. Excellent, Cora. So this was something that you've heard about that has worked really well. And I'll tell you, having come off of a plane just last night, there's a lot of nose picking going on on the planes. <laughs> there's a lot of sneezing and sniffling. And, you know, if that blanket is not in a plastic bag, be careful, because I've seen people wiping their noses and coughing and doing all sorts of weird stuff on the planes. So definitely anything you can do to prevent yourself from getting sick if you're traveling is always a good idea. Now, Dr. Ewing, you know the name of this, but if somebody wanted to go get it, please don't make them actually get this big, long name. (laughs) Is there an abbreviation if they go, I Uh, want this stuff. Cora from the North Shore uses it. How do they get it? Unfortunately, there's no abbreviation, but you will – so – they do sell it, actually, at most health food stores, and I think I've even seen it at Long's. All right, so now you're going to have to spell it because, okay. you know, yeah. Ocelo, Ocelo, So the something. company is Boiron, which is spelled B-O-I-R-O-N. Well, you chose the easy thing first. Yes, the okay. company. The company. <laughs> and then right. you spell it. Okay, hold on, everybody. It's O-S-C-I-L-L-O-C-O. C C I N U M Ocelonococcinum. All right, I'm just going to say yes to that <laughs> because I'm not going to even try and pronounce it again. So this would be something again, like Cora said, I'm going on a right. plane or somebody's getting sick. I'm going to take this. Yes. What exactly is it? It's actually homeopathic um, heart and liver of a duck. <laughs> And that's right about where you lost me. Okay. Right. So so when you say homeopathic, what exactly do you mean by that? Okay. So homeopathic medicine is when they take a substance and they dilute it 
many times and they potentize it every time. So what they're doing is they're diluting it and they're succussing it or shaking it and they're potentizing it pretty much so they dilute it till where the substance is no longer there and it's the energetic component of the substance. So I'm not necessarily taking duck and heart liver? Right, yes. Okay. But <laughs> you're getting something that actually has antiviral properties and it may in fact be able to prevent a virus from getting worse? Well, I guess I would say it doesn't necessarily have anti... Well, how do we phrase this? It doesn't necessarily have antiviral properties. I would say it's more of an energetic medicine that helps stimulate your body's own immunity to fight the virus. Okay. So it's kind of like feeding the troops. Yes. So, you know, the troops are hungry. They're the ones at the front line and you need to give them food. So this is sort of waking them up or giving them energy so that they can do their own job. Yes. So in a way, it's trying to help your body do its own thing. Yes. Because sometimes, and again, I'm, I'm a believer in antibiotics when they're necessary. Um, and sometimes antibiotics can help kill the bacteria, but they don't really help your immune system to do much. They just do all the job themselves. Right. Which is great, but then next time you're going to get that again. Right. So when we talk about helping your body to do it by itself, we're really talking about promoting your own immunity. Yes. And that will help to protect you later as well. Right. Yes. So if I'm sick and I have taken my Asilo, we'll call it that because yes. I'll just <laughs> call it that. And maybe I've taken my Monolarin and, and I've gone to bed early and I have gotten a lot of water and tried to get some extra rest and I get a fever. I shouldn't worry unless it goes too high mm-hmm. because maybe the fever is my own body's way of trying to treat things. Mm-hmm. What else should I do? Stay home from work? Are you hearing that? Administrators <laughs> where I work? Stay home from work? Call out sick colleagues? Especially as a doctor since you're exposed well, to Well, we are the home. best patients. Those rumors about doctors being the worst patients are just rumors, right? <laughs> okay, right. so you should call out sick, go home, mm-hmm. stay home, get in bed, get some extra rest. What are some other little tricks of the trade? We've got a couple of minutes left. What else can I do? How, how, should I use my hand sanitizer everywhere? Should I not press the buttons of elevators and not touch the doors <laughs> of bathrooms and be careful with all the blankets on the airline because everyone wipes their nose with them? I saw it myself. <laughs> what else can I do? Wash my hands a lot? Well, I mean, I think that's just good hygiene practice. But ultimately, we are surrounded by viruses and bacteria. So it really is about making sure that you're strong to handle all these bacteria and viruses, right? So that's why we're doing things that kind of boost your immunity. So how do you boost your immunity? Well, you can use these products. You can also eat well, get enough rest, drink enough water, take your vitamins if you need them, take your probiotics to keep your immune system up. So all of these things, you know, work to prevent you from being exposed because there's no way you can hide from, you know, these viruses and bacteria. They're all around you. They're, you know, like if we had those goggles and we could see them, we'd be like mortified with how much bacteria and viruses are everywhere. But we have yeah, to Yeah, I live don't think I world. want those goggles. No, I know. Okay. <laughs> right. So, but we have to live within that. So the best thing to do is just take ultimate best care of yourself and your immune system. And get your rest and drink your water and make sure that if you do come in contact with something, your body's so strong, you can withstand it. Yes. Fantastic. All right. Well, I've gotten an education. Dr. Monique Ewan, thank you so much for sharing your expertise with us today on The Body Show.
Thank you for having me. Oh, we'll have you on again. Dr. Monique Ewan is a naturopath physician practicing in Honolulu for over 13 years. She can be reached in her office at 732-6996 or also online at www.drmoniqueyueyuen.com. She's also available for our neighbor islands for online consultations. If you'd like to hear the show again, you can click on hawaiipublicradio.org, follow the links to The Body Show. Our engineer is David Chong, executive producer Beth Ann Kozlovich. I'm Dr. Kathleen Kozak, and I will see you next week. That's Monday at 5 on The Body Show. Woo!